welcome to the Youth Development Professionals Guidebook. I'm your host, Michael Garcia. And I'm your co-host, Al Ferreira. Thanks for joining us. Let's get started. During this time, Al and I have decided to address COVID-19 and see what all the amazing youth workers in our community are doing. So please check in to see how the helpers are helping. All right, thanks for joining us. I am super excited. Al and I have Amanda Grassick here. Hi, Amanda, how you doing? I'm doing great today. So Amanda, you are with the Pride Camping Association. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, wonderful. So uh, as you said, I'm Amanda. Uh, I've been working in camping for about 25 years now. And uh, about two years ago, I started the Pride Camping Association with my friend Gavin. And the whole purpose of the Pride Camping Association is to provide camps uh, with tools to be able to better support uh, 2S LGBTQ plus uh, campers, staff, and families. Um, so we're entering our second year and it's been a bit of a slow burn, but we're, uh, we're looking at uh, shining a little brighter this year. We've been talking a lot as everyone is about COVID-19 and, and how it's affecting us and how it's affecting our programs and our organizations. So we're going to jump right in and hit that head on. So why don't you tell us a little bit about pride camping and how have you seen a change during this time, if you've seen a change during this time and what that looks like? Sure. Yeah. So pride camping, um, as I said, we've been uh, around for just about a year and a half and I think what we're really seeing in the community now is a little bit of fear, uh, fear of the unknown, fear of COVID-19, but a lot of fear around what the new realities are for, you know, campers and staff that might be stuck at home now, uh, where in home might not be the safest environment for them. So, you know, this involves particularly uh, trans campers uh, or trans staff who all the research shows that campers that can, or individuals that can live their true gender identity, like what they believe their gender to be and what their gender is, have much better mental health outcomes than uh, those uh, folks that are hiding that or that's not affirmed. So uh, we're, camps are kind of primarily worried right now about uh, campers who at school or outside of their home have a supportive and affirming friends and adults in their life, but maybe not at their house. Um, so that's a lot of what uh, folks are talking about right now is mental health support for those individuals that are stuck at home and don't have that affirming support uh, that they uh, used to find at school or found um, with a friend peer group. Amanda, in your bio, you talk a little bit about anti-oppressive theory, and it seems like your organization is founded, you know, to really countermine that. What kind of outcomes are you seeing as a result of this current situation that we find ourselves in, but you know, because I'm I'm sure there's going to there are positive outcomes as well as negative ones. Could you start maybe sharing a little bit about the negative ones and then talk about some of the positive outcomes that can come forth? Yeah, sure. So it's it's kind of hard to get exact information about what is happening um, in terms of outcomes for um, individuals, particularly negative outcomes, because uh, campers and staff might not be in a place where they can fully share that anymore um if particularly if they're you know trying to do zoom calls or google hangouts or uh in shared spaces small spaces where there's family members and non-supportive folks around so it's kind of hard to get that information some of the things that uh certainly large organizations like kids help phone in canada uh is seeing right now which is the national um kids help one 
Uh, they have online and text uh, tech support as well. Um, they pretty quickly saw a need to hire, get about a thousand additional volunteers because of the spike in uh, mental health um, requests they were getting from, from young folks. And similar things are happening in the States too with um, different support lines in the States. So uh, there is certainly a spike, um, not, not just because of an additional isolation, but because of the anxiety caused by COVID-19 and not knowing what's happening and not knowing if like you or your loved ones are gonna be safe. Um, so certainly a, a spike in mental health, mental health concerns are being seen. In terms of positive, it's, it's been interesting to see uh, camps really do a big pivot to trying to counter that isolation. So uh, you'll see, you know, hundreds of camps are looking at doing online programming or virtual programming and not necessarily, not necessarily um, to replace their summer programming. That's still kind of up in the air for some jurisdictions. Uh, most of Canada looks like they're going to not run summer camps this year. And, but I know, or not most, but many large organizations are running summer camps in Canada, and I, I think that'll start trickling out to other, uh, other smaller camps in Canada. I know in the States that's a little bit more, depends on your Department of Health what's happening. But what's been interesting is the pivot, right? So people have been pivoting to provide more, more virtual camp programs. But also what's really, what I find really encouraging is at a time that they might not be doing that typically. So right now you'll see virtual camps uh, or running on Facebook Live or Instagram Live weekly, whereas those camps might not be doing that amount of reach out to their communities at this point in, of the year already. So um, people have really switched their mindset to try to make camp relevant on a daily or a weekly basis in a way that uh, for a lot of those programs, they might um, not be thinking about, you know, being in campers' homes or having that close contact right now. I want to kind of hone in and see if we can help your expertise. I run a summer camp and right now I'm, I'm doing exactly what you're telling me to do. And what, what we're hearing is we're doing virtual this, virtual that in preparation of what is going to happen this summer. We, no one knows, but is there, or what tips and, and tricks or what advice could you give me and other camps when engaging with the LGBTQ community? How should we be, should we create different spaces? Is there a better way to make sure we're being as completely inclusive as possible? Or do you find most camps are doing this at this level and just kind of keeping what they're doing status quo? Yeah, so for organizations that run specifically to us LGBTQ camps and programs, um, those campers and staff have already, already have enough support in their families to be attending those camps in the summer. So we're not particularly worried about those campers. And those campers and those camps certainly are taking advantage of the same types of things that other uh, other camps are doing. So, uh, you know, webinars that are including campers and because those camper families or, or those campers have support from adults in their life there, it's easy for them to access those spaces already. Um, I'm more worried about staff and campers who might not be out, uh, so might not be attending a 2SLGBTQ camp or an affirming camp space. Um, and I think what's primarily important for them is to provide information um, that they can access at a later date, right? So you're not necessarily setting the time and the place if that time and place isn't going to be a safe place to access. So, you know, providing uh, links to mental health supports on your social channels, uh, providing uh, recorded information and webinars as a way uh, to reach those campers. 
Um, and even something as simple as posts saying, you know, we see you, we hear you, we know you're there and you're, you might be having it out of time, but like we still care, uh, can be really important and affirming for those folks. So I think um, the big thing I have is just keeping in mind that there are campers that can't access things on the timeline you're providing and making them accessible uh, on their own, like whether that be three in the morning or like when they're like in the washroom with their phone or whatever that, that looks like. You talked a little bit about fear earlier, and uh, you know, obviously families are in a great deal of crisis right now. Do, do you have any fears or concerns about how families are doing uh, you know, as related to your organization's um, mission and vision? Yeah, I think, I mean, we talk a lot about intention at, at Pride Camping Association, so um, not. I talk a lot about how I was lucky uh, attending camp as a kid and later um, leaving the camp that I grew up at and, and ending up at a, a YMCA camp in outside of Vancouver uh, that was really supportive and affirming of my gender and sexual identities. And I was really lucky I had that and we don't want to rely on luck. So I don't think anyone should have to be lucky to have a safe space at camp. So we talk a lot about intentionally having intentional spaces. And it's hard to be intentional when you're in a heightened state of anxiety. Uh, so I, I do have fear. I have fear that campers don't have that support. I have fear that campers um, are just so stressed about what's happening in their life and not being able to access their peer group that their other mental health concerns might be increased. So I think as, as a whole, the 2S LGBTQ community does suffer from, especially youth, suffers from higher rates of mental health um, concerns than the, their cis uh, straight peers. Um, and, and so I have a lot of fear about like what's happening to those campers that are now isolated and isolated and have an increased sense of anxiety compared to pre-lockdown. Are you finding that you yourself are doing different things now than you did prior to this crisis that, that are unexpected, that are different from your day-to-day -day life just a few short months ago? Oh, do you mean in my personal life? Uh, both personal and, and work life. Yeah, yeah so uh, in, in my personal life, I, so I'm blessed to be able to work at home. Uh, so when I was working, I was recently part of a temporary layoff. Uh, so when I was working, my life didn't, hadn't changed that much, which was good for me. Uh, I didn't have the same kind of concerns other folks did. Uh, now that I'm living in a temporary layoff land, things are a little bit more stressful. It's hard, I have two small children and you know, uh, that is causing uh, some more feelings around the house. It's really hard for my, my kids not to be able to see their friends, right? And, um, uh, and that's been really hard. So we've really kind of tried to, what we've really done is like throwing the rules out, right? Like when in the past we were pretty, uh, pretty strict with screen time and now if we get outside once a day, we kind of like throw the screen time rules out the window. Um, in, in my professional life, yeah, it's hard, to, it's hard to say. In my professional life, aside from being, aside from being uh, the, one of the co-founders of Pride Camping, I'm the manager of member risk at Girl Guides of Canada. So I was involved in, uh, in monitoring the COVID situation as it evolved. I was part of the decision-making process of pausing and suspending our programs. Um, and that has been, that, you know, caused a, a 
lot of, uh, not necessarily anxiety, but you know, a lot of hard thinking about what we were, if we were making the right decision, when we were making decisions, what information we were relying on. And a lot of folks involved in those decisions, I think the thing I've learned is a lot of folks were second guessing uh, decisions we were making. Uh, mostly like, oh, I wish we had paused programs two days ago. I wish we had pulled this trip two days ago. Um, and so it's been interesting to just make sure I'm having discussions with people about, um, about how we're making the best decisions we can with the information we have. Uh, and we can't second guess decisions we made two days ago because we didn't have the same information two days ago. Yeah, that's really hard. We don't have that, that crystal ball, right? I'm sure as I'm hearing from you in Canada and here in the States and talk to someone in our previous podcast from Venezuela that we're all just the unknown is what is stressing us the most. And if we had that will be available to get out at this date, I think everybody would just take that break and that on that breath, mm -hmm. but it's really important that that mental health. So we're going to actually with that in mind, take a break really quick. That was a perfect segue. And uh, we will be right back after this. There's three things that you can do to support our podcast. Number one, just keep listening. Number two, share with your network and contacts and colleagues. And number three, leave us a positive rating or like or reference, whatever you do. If you're interested in having your voice heard on this podcast, go to youthdevelopmentpro.com and send us an email. Uh, Amanda, what are you learning about yourself that's unexpected? Obviously, in this crisis, none of us have ever been through anything like this before. Yeah, that's an interesting question. Uh, I think I'm learning to be a little bit more forgiving of myself, which it's certainly something I can, I can work on. I'm certainly feeling, I'm also a pretty introverted person. Like I can, you know, I can easily talk in front of a thousand people at a camp and that's fine. Uh, but I don't necessarily want to go to a party with 12 people I don't really know. Uh, I've always kind of been a bit of an introvert. You know, I can sustain myself pretty happily with a handful of friends I see, you know, every couple of weeks. Uh, so in theory, lockdown shouldn't uh, be that big of an issue to me. But the, the idea that I can't see my friends, even when I wouldn't normally see my friends, has, it's been, that's been interesting, right? I have been feeling cooped up and trapped. But when then I reflect on what would I actually be doing without the lockdown, it would be the same thing, right? Uh, but just that idea that I can't leave if I, or I shouldn't leave if I, if I want to has been, uh, has been a little bit um, taxing and causing a little bit of anxiety. And I didn't think that would be the case. I, I thought like, oh, I've socially isolated my whole life. Like this is not a big deal. Uh, but just the thought that if I wanted to, I couldn't. Uh, go out has been uh has been interesting and causing some yeah causing some anxiety i guess what when you talk about being more forgiving of yourself uh do you think that's something that's going to stick long after this crisis is over yeah i think so i've been pretty as i said like i'm pretty forgiving person regardless so uh it's not necessarily a new muscle i'm flexing but it's certainly a muscle uh, that i don't flex a ton recently, particularly in my current life. You know, we live in the woods outside of, outside of Ottawa on the Quebec side of the border. Um, we walk the dog a couple times a day. I like work at home. We have a pretty blessed life, a pretty, you know, emotionally stable life. We don't have a lot of concerns. We live a pretty happy life. So 
uh, it's not something, a muscle I had to flex a lot before. Uh, so it's good to get in practice just so that in the future, if you know if something like this happens again, I'll be able to, to flex that muscle a little bit quicker. Amanda, so you said walking your dog. What is something new you're doing for your own mental health? Not, And you're not going to let you include your partner or your kids. What are you doing? <laughs> little secret Amanda tidbit. Yeah, so I, uh, this is not something new, but something I haven't done in a while. So I am a big cross-stitcher, which people can find pretty uh, interesting. Uh, but I, I predominantly cross-stitch uh, like Star Wars scenes. Uh, or Marvel, but mostly Star Wars. So my, my current task is, I haven't cross-stitched in a couple of years, is I'm uh, now cross-stitching a Star Wars scene that's kind of uh, designed to look like uh, stained glass windows in a church. And it's going to be uh, about uh, two feet by three feet when it's done. So fairly large. And it's, <laughs> I've, I've just started. Uh, but it'll take months, if not a year, to finish. So that's something that I've started doing again. Okay, so you have to explain to us non-cross stitchers what cross stitchers. What is a what is a cross stitch? Okay, so a cross stitch essentially it's using um, thread, different colors thread. You follow a pattern, and you basically stitch little tiny X's in a pattern. And as you stick those X's together, it makes. Uh, color, kind of like if you were to, this, the stitches are essentially like pixels. If you were to zoom in on a photo, um, all the color pixels. So you put all those pixels together, and then when you zoom out, it's a uh, it's a giant pixel. Yeah, I don't have that skill set, or my. <laughs> you do, you, know. you do have the skill set. Well, my big sausage fingers and threading a needle. I would need oh, some help with that. So there are tools you can get to help. Yes, that tools. Needle, tools. Yeah. I'm good. I'm down. I will. I will. If we go another week. Amanda, <laughs> we're in week five here in Buffalo. Yeah. So if we go another week, I, I might, I might. And if I do, I promise not to share with anybody else except <laughs> you, Amanda. And then you could say, oh, that's sweet. Yeah, it's, uh, no, it's, it's, I actually think it's like pretty repetitive. You can buy patterns everywhere. You can buy them on Etsy and download them immediately. Um, you can get, you know, the stuff sent to you pretty inexpensively. And uh, it's pretty forgiving. Like you can take it apart if you make some mistakes and because it's all like pixels when you zoom out, even if you make some mistakes, it actually looks great. You just call it art, like a, yeah, you know, exactly. abstract when I use the wrong thread color or wrong pattern. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. I'm down with that Picasso style. Yeah. <laughs> That's a great way to really, you know, apply some physicality to your day and that sort of thing. Who are you listening to? What are you, where are you getting your inspiration keep yourself motivated on a daily basis? Yeah, so interestingly, motivation has been something that I have been lacking since um, the layoff happened uh, a week and a half ago. Didn't realize how much of a person I needed a schedule, like I needed the schedule of like coming up to my office at a certain time of day, and I have not been working as well or at all um, on my other projects since the layoff happened. So um, I'm actually going to start scheduling myself more. So keeping, you know, and holding myself to that schedule. Um, to me, in terms of, I, you know, perversely, I'm not listening to a lot of Brene Brown or any of that, uh, you know, uplifting stuff. I really listen to a lot of like political, left-wing political podcasts, crooked media. So that's not actually, I don't know if that's helping. <laughs> I mean, it's helpful to me, but I think for a lot of people, it'd be like, oh, listening to the state of affairs of the world. 
uh, would not be helpful for them. But I've always kind of been someone who likes the intellectual, thinking about, you know, large events like at a, on a microcosm level. So thinking of doing that kind of listening has been helpful. And there's one podcast in particular, if people want to learn more about uh, COVID and how it's affecting the, the U.S., in particular, the U.S. Uh, healthcare system. It's called American America Dissected, and it's a Kirk Media podcast, and it's led by, um, or hosted by, and can't remember their name, but an epidemiologist who used to be the public health director in Detroit, I believe. And this whole season is all about like how COVID is affecting public health in the U.S. And it's, it's a wonderful podcast if, you're inter- if you want to dive deeper into this. Uh, if you don't want to dive deeper, stay far away. So, so let me ask you this. Uh, so I'd like you to imagine yourself six months from now and looking back at, you know, however this has played out in whatever way, shape or form, what has changed for you? Or what would you tell your current self from six months from now about some of uh, what you have been doing? Yeah, that's a really interesting question. I think since six months from now, I'm sure I, uh, between now and then, I will have uh, learned a ton that I'm just not aware of, right? I, as I was saying before, I, you know, I thought this would be a piece of cake, so uh, social isolation, and now I'm finding that it's more difficult even if my actual life hasn't changed. And I think in six months, there'll be a lot more learnings. I really think I'm going to see that one of the primary things I need to get better at, and I think this will be something that looking back in six months, I'll, I'll think to myself, why didn't you do that years ago, is being uh, more intentional with like reaching out and maintaining social connections. I've always been someone who, you know, I have best friends I haven't talked to in like three or four years, and then I'll travel to Vancouver and sleep on in their house for two weeks. And that has been a really easy thing. Uh, that has been a really easy thing for, for me to do, but I'm certainly have started being more intentional about maintaining those, those personal connections on a more frequent basis. I know Michael would be disappointed if I didn't bring out what you just described is what John Maxwell uh, describes as the law of priorities. Um, uh, leaders don't under, leaders understand that activity is not necessarily accomplishment. And to me, that's what you're telling us is that it's a struggle and you are really, you know, uh, moving yourself to put that schedule in place, to put those priorities in place. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think for me, it really is a schedule because in my intellectually and emotionally, I do prioritize those um, relationships, but I don't necessarily demonstrate that priority to those people by like making a lot of contact with them. Right. I kind of, and I've, I seem to have found friends that, are the same, right? Like we both cannot talk to each other for years and then pick up where we left off and it feels authentic and real and deep and all those wonderful things. Um, so I've been blessed that way that I've found folks that that type of relationship has been great with. But um, I think I'm realizing that there's so many more relationships that, um, you know, I could have really deep, meaningful relationships with other people that type of, you know, contact and schedule just didn't, didn't jive with them, right? So trying to be more intentional about that is certainly something that, that I'm going to continue to do. I think that's something that we all need to work on. Any, I don't think anyone is perfect in that realm. And Al, you know, we really have to hit John Maxwell up to see if he'll be a sponsor for this. We're, we're tagging him a lot in this. <laughs> so uh, Amanda, tell us how people can get a hold of you. Tell us, you know, wherever your social media, your websites. We'll also put the link of your two websites in the notes of this podcast. Wonderful. Yeah, so we can be reached at uh, for the Pride Camping Association at pridecamping.org. 
uh, in email info at pridecamping.org and the social media handles are at pridecamping on Facebook and Instagram. Uh, in terms of me personally, I can be reached at amanda.grassic, G-R-A-S-S-I-C-K at gmail.com. And then if folks are interested too, we're uh, the Pride Camping Association in two weeks, uh, dates just to be confirmed. Uh, we'll be hosting a, uh, a webinar training for 2S LGBTQ uh, staff, uh, not necessarily camp directors, but more frontline program staff. And that, uh, that training is uh, going to be all about how to advocate for uh, queer, positive, uh, and affirmative spaces, um, you know, how to speak truth to power in your camp and outside of your, or your camp life. So um, that'll be available. And that's one of the things that Pride Camping is going to start focusing on doing is providing more support and training um, for folks uh, that might not be able to access that outside of the home right now. Amanda, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, we are excited to have you. Uh, we are going to hopefully reach back out in nine months to a year to all these beginning <laughs> podcasters and, and do Great. not necessarily a whole show, but like a 15 minutes with Amanda. If you're interested, we'll reach out and uh, hopefully follow up on your amazing summer that you had and all the great work you're doing with the Pride Camping Association. I really appreciate it. So thank you so much. Wonderful. Thank you so much for reaching out. I really appreciate it. And I'm, I'm happy and I'm excited about all the good work you folks are doing and putting out in the world. It's, uh, it's certainly going to make a big difference to, to everyone in the community right now. Al and I will be right back after this commercial. Thanks to our friends at Expert Online Trading for supporting the Youth Development Professional Guidebook podcast. Al, you used Expert Online Training at your summer camp. I did, actually. I used them for several seasons at the last camp that I was the executive director. When we were trying to decide the items that we would present during our staff orientation week, there were so many things that we left out. And when expert online training came along, it was like, oh, we can do this ahead of camp. And then people come in and they're already prepared. We even added on to our our support staff, our directing team components so that we'd all be on the same page prior to doing our support staff training as well. It just really made a huge difference. And expert online training has some great folks who present uh, the kind of people that you'd want to see at conferences or that you do make time to see at the different conferences throughout the year. So if you're interested in looking for the highest quality online training for your youth programs, go to expertonlinetraining.com and check them out. Thanks again for all their support. Welcome back. Uh, Amanda did an amazing job and talking about Pride Camping and, and all the things she's doing here. Al, what's your takeaway from today? Clearly, it's, it's going to be what she described about herself is um, John Maxwell quote uh, about the law of priorities. You know, it's his, his description is always, it's a leader who climbs the tallest tree, surveys the landscape and goes, we're in the wrong jungle and then reassesses and provides for that. So I, I'm looking forward to hearing her uh, presentation that she talked about in a couple of weeks, because I think that's where she's gonna give us some direction about where to find the right jungle. So, and really focus on priorities. Uh, it's, it's really crucial in this time that we are all reassessing our priorities on a regular basis. You know, we, we used to do things as, as far as uh, long range planning that was five and 10 years out, then it became 18 months. And now it feels like it's almost daily. We will definitely put a link to that webinar in our show notes. 
couple things I took away from this is one of the quotes that they said was, I don't want to rely on luck when it comes to helping the LGBTQ communities. And I think being more intentional and being out there, not just with that community, but with all of our communities and families that we're connecting with, it's important to not just be reactive, but to be proactive and putting that information out there. And if I can, I'm going to try and cross stitch. Maybe something, hopefully it'll be okay. Probably not to Amanda's level, but I'll do my best. And if I do put that up, I'll put it on our Facebook page and you can laugh exclusively at my amazing attempt of, of cross-stitching. I think you should cross-stitch your uh, Youth Development Professional Guidebooks logo. Yeah, I'd, I'd have to start with maybe start with just the green background at like a, like a green sheet and then do the white because whoo, that seems like an amazing amount of work and I can imagine concentrating so much on it. But you know, I'll, I'll give it my best and it seems like a fun thing to do. So uh, speaking of the podcast, if you are enjoying this, if you are excited about what we're doing here, we would love for you to click some five stars. We'll take some four stars, but five stars would be so amazing. And also don't forget to you know, click the button to subscribe so you get notified when these podcasts go up. Al and I would love the support and we'd love to hear from you. And if you have any questions, you can go to youthdevelopmentpro.com, send us an email and we can get back to you. Thanks, everybody. Have an amazing day. Bye.